Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Open Guard Cast is brought to you by Electrum Performance. You can use our discount code OpenGuardCast25 for 25% off of the best programs in jiu-jitsu. Thank you, uh, Deeper Voice Jake. We're back. <laughs> My name is Jake Watson. And by we're back, I mean I'm back. Uh, I was competing, and uh, Danny went ahead and he soldiered on, and you guys got to listen to the sweet, melodic harmonies that is Danny O'Donnell's voice. <laughs> no, he wasn't even singing. He was just talking. He was he was just making sweet love to the airwaves, and you guys got to hear a uh, great interview with Samuel Nagai. And now we're back to go over uh, just kind of the past two weeks, what I've been doing. Um, you know, kind of a rough two weeks, whatever, but we're going to go over it. And uh, yeah, Danny O'Donnell, how are you? I am doing awesome. I feel like the past two weeks have been insane with you like traveling so much and competing and the brackets were just so stacked. It was like so cool. I was like looking forward to them all week long right before they happened. So it, yeah. was, it was really sick to watch you. And I'm not going to let uh, – we're going to do an episode about this for sure. But I just want to say, Danny O'Donnell, for the first time in person, congratulations on getting promoted to the prestigious rank of black belt. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Danny O'Donnell is a black belt. Now the open guard cast is at its full power. No one knows what's going to happen. I don't know. All I know is I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'll just say that <laughs> word. But yeah, man, it's re- I'm so happy for you. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, um, dude. When I when <laughs> you and Morgan texted me at the same time, it was so funny. Um, but I, I'm really, really proud of you, Danny. And dude, it, didn't it feel great? Yeah, no, I mean, it was just so unexpected. I was just, I felt like I was more shocked than like excited. Just, you know, obviously with the whole quarantine thing, everyone's training plans are completely changed and stuff. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool. What I, what I really enjoyed is that a bunch of people that I kind of came up with got promoted around the same time, like during this week. Mm-hmm. So that was really awesome. And yeah, it's cool. I mean, I was never super focused on belts or anything. I just love training every day and learning and, you know, testing myself. So just want to keep doing that. All right, now you get to stop caring because you're not going to get promoted again. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. That's one thing I realized when I got promoted. Just, just it's, You don't get promoted anymore. So you no, get I to be happy for everybody else. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, but you kind of does time now. You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> like, time. Oh, well, now it's just time yeah. on the map. But, um, yeah, I was uh, I was super happy to hear it. And now uh, we also, I think, we can probably announce some stuff in this episode. But I definitely, um, in the episode where uh, we will have a special guest. I don't know who it's. I don't know who's going to be. Danny doesn't know. Danny doesn't know who's going to be either. We're going to have a special guest. I'm going to question him. I'm going to press him, and uh, we're going to get some information out of him. But let's go over Third Coast Grappling real quick because that was the event that happened two weeks ago. Uh, you saw Gustavo Braguian Batista winning in pretty dominant fashion. Yeah. And um, man, what did you think about that tournament? I mean, it, the bracket was so stacked. It was like it was literally any single person in that bracket could have taken the whole thing. And I knew Gustavo, like he was the person that most people were picking just because he's he was kind of the guy who it seemed like he was maybe cutting a little bit of weight. Some of the other competitors maybe were naturally around 180, 185, but he he normally competes medium heavy. So I think he probably walks around around 200. So to get down to that weight and to face guys who are normally a little bit smaller than him, a lot of people picked him and it made sense. But um, man, he had an awesome run. Uh, Roberto had some really cool submissions. You had a really great first match with Argus. Um, yeah, it was awesome tournament. I really liked it. I, I didn't feel like the. I kind of changed my opinion on the rule set too while I was watching it. What do you and mean? I'd like. I'd like to get your opinion on that too. I think going into it, I was like, I don't know if I, 
if I really like this. Um, I just felt like it was kind of weird how the overtime you could pick top closed guard or bottom closed guard or standing. That was that was kind of weird to me, but it was pretty cool how Batista just picked top closed guard, which well, most people wouldn't pick, and was able to do really well from there. But but what do you think? I, what I was gonna say was, Batista is an exception, I think, because he could have picked yeah. bottom closed guard or top closed guard. I right. think he picked a position where like he's like he okay, uh, limited time in overtime. He's on top. He is very hard to sweep. Like. I have never actually seen him get properly swept. I think I've seen him give up position to avoid getting his back taken and end up, and end up on bottom, which is a sweep, but it's not like a proper scissor sweep or a spider mm-hmm. guard sweep or something like that. Um, I went in there thinking the rule set was weird, and I left thinking the same thing. So okay. here's uh, here's my opinion. And I actually had a conversation with Ryan McGuire about this, and uh, my— is, Does he run their coast? He runs, yes. Ryan okay. McGuire is the owner and operator of Third Coast Grappling. Great guy. And okay. um, I, I didn't wasn't trying to talk to him in a way that was like, hey, your rules are dumb. It was like he wanted to know my opinion on the rules, so I told him. And uh, my opinion is anytime there's overtime, it incent- and, and especially when you go to overtime regardless if it's tied or not, that incentivizes an athlete like Gustavo Batista to not really do much because you don't really need – to do much more than be in the lead. And if you're confident that you'll choose your position in overtime, and let's say you're someone like Jamie Canuto, who's not, let's say Jamie Canuto didn't fight Gustavo Batista first round, right? Gustavo yeah. might have a good opportunity to move on based, or uh, sorry, Jamie Canuto might have a good opportunity to move on based on his knowledge of the rule set and his comfortability in bottom close guard in this instance where they say you can choose bottom or top close guard based on if you're in the lead or not. So Gustavo, knowing that he's not going to get swept on top, chooses top close guard to give him the advantage to pass the guard because he knows he's not going to get swept from the close guard. He didn't have to do much. Gustavo's not a, a killer submission artist. He might be have the capability to, but he just doesn't grapple like that in tournament. And I'm not that's not a slight towards Gustavo. That's just statistically what it seems. Yeah. So going into a rule set like submission underground, let's say, he, they use EBI rule set. You see so many times EB, uh, Eddie Bravo saying, uh, we want to showcase submissions and push the pace and have the action. But really what ends up happening is you get an athlete who understands he's really good at the overtime rule set and not that good in the general regulation round. And he just stalls and he doesn't really do much. Keeps himself safe, waits for the overtime and wins in overtime. Happens a lot. Happens more often than I really want to actually look at. <laughs> um, and in third coast, you get the same kind of idea. I yeah. think what makes Third Coast look great is the athletes on the card. The submission rate is less about the rules than it is about the people on the card. When you have Roberto Jimenez, um, I will say myself because I'm more of a submission-oriented for sure. competitor, Pedro Marino, William Tackett, though he doesn't ever train the gi, I don't think, was in the gi for this tournament. He could have done some crazy stuff too. You have Jamie Canuto, really good close guard, really good arm bar. And then the one guy who's really, really hard to score on goes to overtime every single round and wins a tournament. I think that that doesn't showcase your rules. That showcases the athlete's potential to win by submission. So that's my opinion on the rule set. I think that the rule set is still inherently flawed. I think any time overtime is introduced into a jiu-jitsu rule set, it is – I mean it's going to incentivize the athlete to do what they can to, to find a loophole in the regulation time. What's your opinion on what I just said? Okay, so I just have a completely new thought kind of hit my my head as as you were explaining all that. But I feel <laughs> like Gustavo Batista's style is 
perfect for that rule set because, even, like like you said, like I would say he's more of a positional grappler in tournaments. Obviously, he might have incredible submission skills, but it might take him some, – some guys who are really good at submissions, it takes them a while to get to the positions where they can mm-hmm. execute. But Gustavo puts a lot of pressure on people. And like if you watch his, his full match with Argus, if, if anyone wants to go back and watch it, Argus is pretty much dead tired by the end of regulation. Mm-hmm. So Gustavo knows that he's not going to get swept, like you said. So he's going to pick top close guard. As soon as he breaks that guard open, he was making advances through Argus's guard much faster than he was in the regulation time because Argus was really worn down. And it was pretty cool because uh, I, I watched an interview. I think it was Galval and Batista in the same interview for Flo. But they were just talking about how Batista's plan going into the match was to take bottom close guard if it got to overtime. But he noticed how tired Argus was, and he just felt like he could he could get it done from top close guard. So he changed his mind right, like right in that instance. And, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He did that to everyone. He put tons of pressure on people, kind of wore them out. And then by the time it got to overtime, he was able to, to get the guard pass much more easily. Mm-hmm. And you saw that really well against Roberto in the final. Roberto oh, kind of yeah. punched himself out. Yep. He was throwing yep. submissions all day, all day, all day. Th- had a fantastic, um, surprising submission against Hebemar in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, the classic rematch that happens every single weekend of him and Pedro Marino. <laughs> yeah. And then going into the final against Gustavo, I, uh, I was speaking to Michael Sears. And uh, Michael Sears was like, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Don't hold back. <laughs> Because <laughs> Sears was like, "Shall I? <laughs> who do you think he's gonna? Who do you think he's gonna win this match?" And I was like, "I think uh, Gustavo Batista is gonna win the match." He's like, "Well, I think Roberto's gonna win." I was like, "Okay, well, why?" <laughs> he's like, "Well, I just I see him submitting Gustavo. I don't know." I was like, "Oh, you're gonna see something that has never happened." Okay, um, I'm gonna go with statistics and say that Roberto's gonna punch himself out and Gustavo's gonna beat him in overtime, like he did everybody else today. He's like, oh, well, we'll see. And then exactly <laughs> what I said happened. And um, I was like, hey, so that's pretty crazy. I'm I'm like a predictor. Look at that. And he was like, oh, yeah, you were right, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so and another howl. funny. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't going to do a howl impression, but keep going. <laughs> another funny thing you, you mentioned that almost like disincentivizes that attacking style. Like Roberto was attacking everyone the first two matches. So he submitted Pedro. He submitted Hiba. And the whole time he was attacking, and that's that takes its toll on you, especially like your cardio, and you can't just yeah. do that for 20 minutes straight. You can't just fire off submissions, especially the way Roberto does it from bottom. So, like strategy-wise, it probably would have been better for him to not do that against Batista and try to get like a sweep in overtime or something like that. Yeah. But like, if the goal is to see the most submissions and the most action, it does kind of seem like that rule set disincentivizes that. So I guess it's like, what's the goal of the rule set? Are you trying to see the most submissions? Are you trying to see the most exciting matches? Like, in yeah. terms of like attacking submissions consistently, I don't think this is probably the best rule set. Well, I mean, look at how many rule sets there are. Like, Jits King, ADCC, IBJJF, NABJJF, Naga, EBI, EBI Overtime, Combat Jiu-Jitsu. Like, these, these are all rule sets, and every single one has the same thing. They all say they're the best rule set. Every yeah. promoter is trying to find a rule set that is going to incentivize their audience to watch them. They want viewers. They want like you know it's it's a business at the end of the day. So like uh, you know Third Coast Grappling believes they have the best. Jits King believes they have the best. Uh, IBJJF is the best, and that's 100% because and the reason I say that without a shadow of a doubt in my mind is because every one of those rule sets are based off of it. Jits King's based off of ADCC. So ADCC and IBJJF are the two rule sets that are predominantly considered the quote-unquote best. But yeah. if we're going to look at like Third Coast Grappling, 
they're new. They've done what? Four, they've done four four big shows and the Kumite card, I believe. And their shows were gigantic. They have the names. They had Gordon Ryan versus Bo Nickel. They're putting together Royal Rumbles. Like they already have their niche. Uh, their rule set is is described by BGJ Heroes as being a uh, what a novel rule set, I believe the word is. Shout out to BGJ Heroes. We love them. And uh, I just think that you know it's I love all rule sets. Hey man, it's jujitsu at the end of the day. For a competitor like uh, myself or Roberto, we just want to compete. So. For us, it's easy. But if you're going to look at a competitor that's really smart, like Gustavo, they're going to, you know, use the rules that you said it yourself. He saw that Gabriel was tired. He's like, oh, okay, how can I abuse overtime in this manner? And I uh, and you've heard me talk about how dumb EBI, EBI overtime is uh, many <laughs> many times in this show. I don't need to explain it anymore. I think that uh, that's an incredibly flawed rule set. I do think Third Coast is an amazing experience. They were all very hospitable. Um, the walkout was super cool. They did it in a gym. Shout out to Sanctuary Gym in uh, in what is it? Not not Clearwater, Texas. Maybe um, Friendswood. No, it's Friendswood, Texas. Uh, it's a it's a Christian based gym actually. And uh, nice. they it looked really us. cool. It was cool, man. They cleared off like the turf, like it was on turf. And um, I had three commentators. I forget the name of them, but I know they're gonna have me back uh, this week. Uh, this week being the week, uh, June 20th is going to be the day that, uh, that I go back and I compete against Felipe Andrew. So that's gonna be cool. We'll talk about that for sure. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Are we going to go over, uh, Jits King now? Yeah, I did. I did want to say one more thing about the rules. Um, so right, I agree cool. with you. I, I like IBJJF rules because I think they incentivize action. Like I think if you're down on points, you have to take risks, and that's what ultimately leads to submissions. But I, I remember a couple of years ago I heard here on Gracie talking about a rule set that he thought was the best, and I thought it was really interesting. He thought that the best rule set for jiu-jitsu is first to 12 or first to submission. So it's basically like positions still matter. It's not like you're just trying to get to overtime and stall, but it's also good to get a submission. Because if it's like a tournament format, you're going to, you know, save energy, you get the submission, and you can move on to the next round without having to worry about burning all that energy trying to pass the guard or trying to retain your guard or something like that. What do you think about that? Is there a time limit? No, no time limit. First to 12. In a tournament setting, that wouldn't work out. Just super fights, you think? I think for super fights, that would work out for sure. I think for super fights, that's a fantastic rule set. But with no overtime, because then it's like, okay, yeah, one guy is going to either get tapped out or get really tired. Um, but we're talking about a super fight show, like hopefully only, you know, 10 fights or something like that. Cause at the time, like, what if you get, what if you get like, <laughs> what if you get like a Ronaldo versus Roberto, like unlimited energy, it's gonna be like a 45 minute fight. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a one giant scramble. No one passes, no one sweeps. Yeah. Zero, zero for 35 minutes. Yeah. Um, those almost have to be in the, those matches would have to be in the gi. I think the no gi ones would just be too too hard to like consolidate a position i feel like the nogi matches would go longer than the gi ones oh yeah man because i feel like eventually you settle into a flow as well so i wouldn't be surprised to see like an hour long like kumite style match um i think uh that's a cool rule set i still like time limit though like maybe a bigger maybe a smaller time limit to incentivize a little more action like i think that the abdgf black belt division doesn't really need to be 10 minutes but it like if it was six or seven minutes it'd be fine um or eight minutes i think eight minutes is is a long time for a match to be honest i think 10 minutes is a very long time for a match i do too um but i really don't think uh i ibjjf gets flack because of 
again, it's that's on the athlete. Like, don't blame the rules. Blame the athlete playing the rules. You know. Yeah. So, if we're gonna make different rules that are based on IBJJF, then you're pretty much alluding, hey, like we're taking our own rules. Like we know IBJJF is the standard, but we're gonna be unstandard. Why not just keep the standard? I I get that they're trying to differentiate themselves and bring something different to the table because mm-hmm. IBJJF's everywhere. But I I agree. I like IBJJF the best. Oh yeah. What if there were fifty? What if there were like fourteen different football federations? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that the the amount of rule sets it can do a little bit of stunting to the growth of jujitsu as a as a brand. Yeah. Because then because then imagine spectators finally get into our sport, right? Let's say by some stretch of the imagination, we grow out of our niche. And then people actually just want to watch jujitsu. Then they have to pay attention to 15 different rule sets. They're going to be like, dude, I don't know what to pay attention to. So football, there's like, okay, there's college football rules, which is like, I guess there's like one difference, right? Yeah, there's some like slight your knees, differences. Your knee has to touch or something like that. Like, yeah, there's one that. like That's one. One foot in bounds versus two feet in bounds in the NFL. That's another big one, but yeah, it's just it's minor stuff. But are you as a spectator, are you going to watch that and go? Oh man, that dish, that changes everything. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's still football. So I don't I don't want it to be like that. And I also don't want the judo, I don't want jujitsu to become what happened to judo. You know what I mean? Where it becomes yeah. its own thing. And but that's a that's a another can of worms we can go down, I guess, if we talk about jujitsu becoming like judo. Yeah, I guess one more point before we get into Jits King is uh, I feel like with the super fights, what they bring different to the table is that you can match you can make different matchups than you see in tournaments, mm-hmm. and everyone's fresh coming into it. So you get yeah. different, more exciting matches where people are less afraid to attack. So like you could take someone who's a medium heavyweight and put them up against a heavyweight, and you know with the day before weigh-ins and stuff, it, it doesn't change a lot. But it you can create some different type of matchups, and they're usually a bit more exciting because people have more energy. They haven't had a bunch of matches before before the final, so I don't know. I feel like that would be. To me, it would be a better selling point than like these crazy rule sets where you start in arm bars and rear naked chokes and shit. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to do that either. I would be like, whatever, dude. Okay, you better. Cho- I-, I would tell the guy, you better choose side mount, otherwise you're a lime <laughs> artist. Starting in a rear naked choke, yes. Anyway, um, I don't think. I hope that's not what actually happens. I- yeah, I know you start in an arm bar, the it's, back. Yeah, or, like, they call it the spider web, which is just an arm bar with an underhook on the near side leg, or you start in the seatbelt on the back with both hooks. Okay. Both are dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, EBI, or I'm sorry, sorry, Jits King. I want to, uh, first of all, say, let me just tell, uh, I got a, a couple stories to tell. So I went to Florida. I got back today. Um, the very first what thing that Florida happened. Florida was it, Jake? I was, uh, I landed in Clearwater. Okay. I landed in Tampa, but I, we, we were staying in Clearwater. Okay. On Olmerton Road. Um, which is unimportant, but whatever. It was, just, it was in my GPS for like the past three days. So I get to Florida, or I get to Denver, my collect, connecting flight to Florida. And I, uh, you know, wake up from my nap and I'm like stretching and I feel my pockets because I always want to make sure everything's in my pockets. And in my left pocket, my wallet is absent. I'm oh, like, oh no. shit. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so I look at my bag. Maybe I put it in my bag. It's not in my bag. Look in the seat behind me. Look under my seat. All right. Well, this isn't good. So I go through my bag when I get off the plane. No wallet. All right. So that's fantastic. I don't have a wallet. So I call my mom and immediately uh, I'm really stressing out because, first of all, I am kind of embarrassed at myself for being irresponsible, which it could have been an accident. It could have been whatever, but still. And two, I don't know how I'm going to get to my hotel. 
I don't know uh, if somebody stole it and is currently making charges on it. I don't know anything like that. So, you know, I call my parents and I ask for their help and stuff like that. Um, then I fly to Florida. I get to Florida. I have to go immediately to a Western Union. I spend four hours at a Western Union. I come back to the hotel. I'm in there for 30 minutes before I have to go downstairs to the weigh-in. And uh, everything went well. I met I met John. I fought John Combs this weekend, who was actually uh, episode three of Open Guardcast. He was our first very guest. first guest. And uh, I got choked by my podcast guest, which is not cool. I did not. I was so upset. And I was upset, like, actually, because I don't like losing. But then I was, like, joking upset later. Um, we got, we ended up getting dinner later, but that's actually part of the story. So, uh, I get to Jits King and the weigh-in goes great. The guys are super awesome down there. Uh, Jits King runs a fantastic and very smooth operation and they're very hospitable. It's like, they really treat the athletes very, very well. Um, and then I just end up spending, uh, I spend some time with, uh, William Tackett, Caleb Tackett, who's actually, uh, that kid's vicious. I don't know if you know Caleb Tackett. He's the youngest. He? He's, he's 12. Oh my God! Or thirteen, yeah, twelve or thirteen. I looks, forget what he said. He looks about that age. He's the. <laughs> it's so funny. Andrew and William have like an American normal accent, and he has a Texas accent. <laughs> He's like, "Hi, I'm, I'm Caleb." I'm like, "But who? <laughs> like, who are you?" And uh, he's a thick kid, man. He's a very, very good competitor. He's gonna be awesome, just like his, just like it's his brother, man. Thicky. Yeah, he's a thick kid. He's like just, just built he's just like a stout already. Hey, he got a prison body, and he's only thirteen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he did very well. He won his fight by, um, I believe, a choke, right? Or no, he won by points. He won by points in regulation, so he didn't go to overtime. And then uh, Andrew, Cody Steele, and William Tackett, and William's girlfriend Jasmine. And, oh, and their dad. Sorry, this is, this is a horrible story. No, but, no, uh, keep going. We went to Cracker Barrel and and the night went well, right? So I'm, I'm like I'm like getting less stressed. Um, I get to the tournament and I'm feeling like really tired. I like I had trouble sleeping because I was still thinking about my wallet and everything like that. And I had cash with me from the Western Union, but still I was just thinking about like I don't want to lose anything else. And I don't know why, but I was just really off. I felt really off this weekend. Um, but I got to the tournament and the tournament was ran awesome. It was really really cool experience to be a part of. And then uh, lo and behold. As the semifinals are coming up, I'm just fast-forwarding past the loss, by the way. Um, <laughs> we can come to that later. Uh, I got guillot- I got combatined, as he would call it. Uh, he jumped over my guard and, and guillotined me. Um, the guy who was commentating got very tired. And he needed to run around and run his gym because he's the owner of the gym. And I forget his name. But he's. I'm like, hey, you need a, somebody to jump on commentary? He's like, go for it. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, do it. And I go on commentary, and I commentated uh, the super fight at the at the end of the night was uh, Rafael Cadena versus Orlando Castillo. Castillo, that was an awesome fight. Yeah, great. Um, I got to commentate Pedro Marion versus Roberto Jimenez, which oh, was a man. sick. That was fight. my favorite fight of the night. And I and I got to commentate that. Like, oh man, talk about like I got to like literally and conveniently I was wearing my gyms. I wish I was wearing the open guard cast tee, like with a Maracaba <laughs> logo on it. So I could have both. But I was wearing Maracaba BJJ tee and uh, all the guys I got a lot of messages um really like giving me a lot of positive feedback from it. And I was really, really happy about that. And then Star Lord, Josh LeDuc almost got kicked out of the tournament. It was so yeah, funny. I saw He's the yelling ref. at the ref. I saw that. I couldn't really make out what you said Josh is his name, what he was saying. So but I Josh saw him going Duke, back and forth with the ref. Go ahead. Josh LaDuke is Star Lord. He looks like um you know, like Chris Pratt if he got into a car accident. 
uh, and uh, got mangled. Yes, he actually does look strikingly like Chris Pratt. But um, he was like, yeah. First of all, Oliver Taza was having a great, great tournament. Yeah, but, uh, he fought so good, so great. And he fought uh, BB Monster Valdir Araujo, who is another uh, a stout guy. He was doing oh, a warm up with me upstairs. He just asked me if I could warm up with him, and the guy's stronger, stronger than ox. And he uh, he put a hand on top of the head to make contact for a guard pull, and the referee listened to the fight sports crowd complain about it and stopped it a little late. So it looked like he was swayed by the crowd. And then you know Star Lord gets up and starts spewing profanity, which is not okay at a tournament. And the referee gets upset and says, "Hey, you know you can't do that. I'm going to penalize him because of you." And Star Lord was really upset because he wasn't a coach; he was a spectator. So he's like, "You're going to penalize my, the guy because of a spectator in the crowd? That's not okay." Um, and then it, it was just one of those things where, you know, he he let us he got a little upset for his boy, for his homie, and the referee almost made his homie lose the match because of it. But yeah, that was crazy. And and he, like like we were saying earlier, Tazo was fighting so well. Like he was attacking the whole time, like really pushing the pace forward. I felt like BB Monster was doing a good job, like stifling his attacks. But he did so, seem like he was kind of moving backwards more and and playing a, a bit more defensive. Just, I mean, I don't blame him. Taza has really really good leg entries and super super creative stuff. Kind of similar to the stuff Craig was doing in the match we broke down against Vinny. Um, but yeah, it, it was cool. Very similar. Well, he is he is DDS, right? Yes. So I feel like there's a lot of the Danny Hurd Death Squad leg entries that they all do to get the helix and stuff like that. It's very impressive, and you're totally right. That's something I noticed on commentary when I was noticing, like, man, okay, let's say this goes to double overtime. Oliver Tazo can be, essentially survive and win the match because BB Monster literally, I think, amounted no offense the entire match until the very last 20 seconds going for a knee cut pass. And Oliver spun under and went for a knee bar. So, and you know, man, Oliver Taza was really close to not um, to not making it past the first round because Gabriel Castro was actually winning the fight, in my opinion, just as a spectator. He was winning the fight. Uh, he had a really good, um, a bunch of great pass attempts. Oliver had a really good. Uh, he had a couple leg entries, I believe. I have to go back and watch. He, it could be close. It, it was close, but Oliver Taza could. Um, I could be remembering incorrectly, and he could have been in the lead, but. Gabriel was giving a really good run for his money. And Gabriel Castro is not a, uh, a grappler. A lot of people know, but he's a fantastic guard passer. And uh, his sweeps from bottom are great. I've never seen him compete Nogi before, but he exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you pointed out some some really cool stuff during the commentary. Some some like BB Monster's defenses to Taza's like heel hook attempts. Mm-hmm. You uh, kind of talked about how he was like using his arm as like a wedge against his leg to alleviate some of the pressure on his knee and help clear his knee line. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was super fun to listen to. It was really funny because I was driving home. We went to the lake this weekend, Lake Pleasant, and uh, on the way home, I was you know planning on catching up and watching everything on my phone, and I turned it on, and it was BB Monster and Taza. And Morgan was like, is that Jay commentating? I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, she messaged let me, me. Let me think. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely him. <laughs> that is 100% Jake. And then when we got um, home, I watched everything. But it was just so cool. It was so cool to just pull it up and while it was live just to hear you <laughs> completely unexpectedly. You know, man, I don't want to like uh, announce anything before it, it comes to fruition. But uh, definitely talk to Star-Lord about potentially being uh, – he might want me to come out to Florida and commentate his uh, Sapatero Invitational. Oh, and then uh, awesome. I've heard really awesome. good things about that that event too. 
they, he he said, yeah, man, I'd love to have you out to commentate. I'm like, <gasps> so I'm not gonna say it happened yet. I will announce it when it is confirmed. But also, um, you know, uh, the biggest takeaway from this event was also at the end of it, I got to hang out with uh, John Combs and and Josh Leduc, and uh, oh snap, dude, we went to uh, what was it? We went, I don't, I don't remember, like La Mo- Las Moridas. It's like a Peruvian cafe in florida or something like that i don't remember the name of of it because i don't speak um espanol but (laughs) man we're eating dinner and all of a sudden this gigantic family of 13 just starts throwing hands like no way like a big brawl fist fight and i'm like what (laughs) and john combs gets up and starts recording on it's on his it was on his story he gets up and just runs and starts recording. He's like, okay, I'm going to get this on Worldstar. He like just runs and goes to the side. And then they go outside and he kind of peeks his phone out the window. And he's trying to get like nature documentary style <laughs> fight videos of this poor family that obviously can't control their temper. And then the police came. Uh, man, I couldn't believe it because we're just eating chips and guac. And all of a sudden we just hear really <laughs> loud Spanish. And, uh, and then we just hear tables crashing and – and all sorts of crap, man. It was it was it was actually like Florida was way more crazy. I joke lived up to its crazy. reputation. Let's just say that, dude. And <laughs> then some. And then I had to go to TSA on the way back and get a freaking let them know I was actually Jake Watts. I should have just had them listen to an episode of the Open Guard Cast. They would have <laughs> known real quick. They would have known real quick. They'd have been like, "Who's this Danny O'Donnell guy? He sounds better than you." Damn it. Yes, but listen, this is. The other guy. Listen to the other guy for a second. It's <laughs> funny. So yeah, were there? How, how old? How old were the people fighting? Were they all older, or was it? Was like, they like? Like the age had to have been no earlier than thirty-six to no later than sixty-five. One woman had a baby in her arms. Oh my god! <laughs> she was like a holy girl. She wasn't a part of the fight. I hope, but <laughs> I yeah. didn't see. I just saw her in the scuffle. I saw her in the, in the scuffle. In the scuffle, She's you know what I mean? She was, in, she was in the amalgamation of fists and kicks. Using your baby as a weapon. Crazy. Yeah, and they were all speaking Spanish, but every now and again, you just hear, bitch. You just hear, like, one English curse word. You'd be like, oh, there's an English guy in there for sure. There is one non-Spanish-speaking uh, person in there. Oh, and also, I, saw, I witnessed my first uh, live car crash. That sucked. Oh, man. That's not like, crazy. I had dogs in his car. It was a – dude, honestly – Two out of ten. Like, that was a two out of ten <laughs> trip. And the only reason I give it points is because I actually got to eat with my friends. That was it. I was going to say because you got to commentate. That was the – Okay, so one point for getting to eat with Combs and uh, and the Tackets and Josh LaDouche. And then uh, <laughs> one point for commentating. Everything else sucked. I went out there. I got choked. Ugh. Wearing open guard cast on my leg too. Ugh, man. I How could I do us like no, that? No, no. It's got to be a three because your gear looked sick. Okay, my gear looks sick, but you know, yeah. man, a two point five. It's two point five okay. out of ten. Okay. All I know is when I come back next week, I'm gonna go out there and fight very smart. I know everybody, you know, most and and statistically, I'm supposed to lose next week, but I believe in my capabilities of causing huge upsets like I have done before. So we're gonna go out there and we're gonna do it. Yeah, I, I want to talk about because uh, I'm sure you saw fight to win. Your opponent next weekend is. I didn't. Uh, I was paying oh, you attention. Didn't. Okay. No, I was yeah, just yeah. kind of. Relaxing. I mean, it was probably hard when you were traveling and all that, but uh, Victor Hugo yeah. fought your opponent next week, Philippe Andrew. So, um, yeah. And I he, saw him armbar him, right? He won by armbar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I saw the highlight. I didn't see the full match. I want to watch the full match. I actually have a. 
I have a book. Um, I, I went to Walgreens. It's a store where you can <laughs> buy uh, <laughs> where you can buy uh, notebooks and stuff. And I bought three notebooks. I bought one for strength and conditioning, one for teaching, and one for competition notes. And uh, I'm about to I'm about to fill out some lengthy pages of notes on Felipe Andrews so that I can study. I feel like that's what made me really successful versus Hudson and Ronaldo is I actually studied very hard and and formulated a a strategic plan about how to attack them and how to defend. And I didn't really do that the past couple of weeks. To be honest, I didn't train. I don't have um, a Nogi, you know, we don't have a Nogi program at our academy. So I uh, I haven't been training any Nogi. And that was a little hard to go into a Nogi match to be like, you know, yeah. I don't really do this. Even training Gi without, like, training Gi without grips, you still are having to deal with lapel and stuff, which is different. Yeah, I think other you people to, are grabbing it even if you're not. Yeah, and there's some, there's something to be said for hey, I'm able to I'm able to, you know, pass a guard without grips, but I just don't think it's the same. It's it's very slippery in nogi. It's very yeah. slippery. I, there was I actually feel like I almost passed John's guard at one point, but he was it was just so slippery. I was, like I slid off, and I if I can't hug with like a double underhook or something, I'm not going to secure the guard pass. It's very awkward. Yeah, and I feel like John probably trains more nogi than he does gi um he, i i definitely think he has better competition results nogi like his west coast trials run for adcc i think that was 2018 maybe or maybe possibly 2019 um it was the 2018 because it went into the 2019 i believe okay yeah he had like seven matches and he won all of them got a bunch of submissions but yeah he's i, I feel like he was probably training a lot of nogi mm-hmm. leading up to it but that's true he felt good I didn't feel like there was a big uh, strength or like athleticism advantage. I just felt like I, I, I really just feel like I made a mistake. But who knows how the rest of the fight would have gone? You know what I mean? I wasn't, I, uh, I, I wasn't very comfortable for the whole fight. I was just kind of trying to piece together how I was feeling, and I was trying to feel him out how I was going to be able to get a pass eventually or get under his leg. He was doing a very good job um, stifling my get under attempts. I tried to use reverse delahiva a lot to try to either go to the back or try to get under the leg and i got some advice like why don't you go for heel hooks I'm like because i don't do them <laughs> like, I, don't, like, I don't know like i know them i can i have the ability to do them but i don't train them like i don't have setups for them or or i don't like i'm not very good at forcing somebody like john who's very good at staying on the outside to enter into my leg entry so it, i don't know it was just very uh it was a very awkward experience very eye-opening it made me it made me realize that i have a big uh I have a big disadvantage when it's going to come to like no gi super fights and stuff like that, which is why, I mean, I prefer competing in the gi anyway, cause I train in the gi. Um, I do want to be good at both, but I think, uh, that'll just have to, there'll have to be something in the future that, uh, there'll be a plan that happens in the future that will enable me to give myself a better chance in no gi, I believe. But yeah, right I now. feel like it, it was difficult to prepare. Like, like if your Academy doesn't have no gi classes, you, so right there, you don't have a ton of no gi training partners cause everyone in your Academy is training gi. Like, because of the coronavirus, it was very difficult, I'm sure, to try and set up any type of session outside of your gym. Things are just starting to open up. Like, I, I definitely get why it's difficult to prepare for a no-gi tournament right now. Yeah, and that's what I thought. Um, I was initially pretty bitter. I was actually on the flight home today that I was thinking, I was like, who got out in the first round? I was like, all right, Johnny Tama, out in the first round. Me, out in the first round. Uh, 
Giant Tom and Nogi World Champion. I believe Jason Rao out in the second round. Like Roberto out in the second round or third round. Um, William Tackett out in the second round. I'm like, you know what, man? Like it wasn't that bad. Like it's. I was upset because I had come. I had. I had Gabriel Arges first, and I had John Combs second that I lost to. But when I look at it, like I lost to a two-time world champion, and I lost to John Combs, who's fantastic competitor, who's yeah. seasoned uh, black belt for how many years now? Mm, many, at least four or five. Four or five years, and he's a very good nogi competitor. And it's my first year at black belt. I feel like uh, I, I expect a lot of myself, and I have to calm down. Because I get a little emo. Oh, and also my emotions were all ramped up because I finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. <laughs> so that was rough, too. The Dude, have you watched that? No. Is that next on my show list? I just finished no, The Last dude, Dance. Dude, dude, that dude, was dude, 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 incredible. I'm telling you right now, Danny O'Donnell. You, I hope people blow you up, bro. There's no show. This actually, okay. Oh, this is my favorite show of all time, Danny. Really? Avatar Last Airbender needs to be at the top of your list, and here's why. This show has actually caused people to rethink their lives because it deals with a lot of issues that still are about today. It deals with a lot of like social anxiety. It deals with a lot of um, inner doubt, self-sacrifice, struggle, inner hatred, and how you can deal with it. Like It deals with many, many things that a lot of people actually struggle with in a subtle way, and it's incredibly profound like the ch- you will get okay the first season is it's a cartoon you know what i mean obviously mm-hmm. it's a cartoon but it's like it's it's not like um like an anime where it has a feel of a bunch of action and a lot and a really good you know an engaging story but you know it's it's a it's a it's an anime story like dragon ball z naruto they all have the same kind of feel to them they're different shows avatar feels more like like something like the emotional connection you have with like the office where you get really connected to the characters and you genuinely care about what happens next in the episode. Whereas in dragon ball Z, you might be like, all right, well, Goku's going to fight him again. Or, you know what I mean? Like oh, fucking yeah. awesome. So if you watch the show, I highly suggest dude watching that show because like, it's actually just a very, very good show. And you know, and you know what's so funny is when you said you hadn't seen it before, I'm so jealous because I wish I could, like if I could take the feeling of first watching Avatar Last Airbender and put it in like a liquid, I would inject that shit every morning because my my days would be just – dude, I would be the most positive person. I would be a junkie for that. <laughs> How many seasons is it? Only three. Three oh, seasons. okay. Wow. Dude, three seasons, like 80 – like 60-something episodes. 60-something. Oh, wow. 60 so like 20 episodes. episodes a season? 20 episodes a season. Yeah. And dude, okay. it's it's and and you know what? Like, it does a really good job of making the universe believable too. That's the thing. All right, this is a tangent. This isn't about. No, Jiu-Jitsu. no, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. That's next on my I'm, list. I'm I don't watch you, a lot of TV. I just finished uh, the Last it's Dance on Netflix. with Michael Jordan. Okay, cool. I will watch that next. The Last Dance of Michael Jordan. I've heard, I I will have oh, to watch that. Oh my god, it's incredible. But it's I also, I mean, I grew up watching the Bulls, so like, obviously being from Michael Chicago Jordan? and yeah. I mean, I, I was born in '89, so I didn't I didn't really see the first three P because I started in '91. I was super young, but I clearly remember the second three P, the last three championships, oh, and it was cool. oh my god. I mean, I was still super young, but it was one of the coolest things of all time. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, then yeah. you have an emotional. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm gonna watch it. But it's um, in a different. I'm sure it's in a different category than Avatar: The Last Airbender. Well, you know? here's the thing: is you, I have an emotional connection to Avatar from watching it when I was a kid. I remember literally 
for the series finale, I remember getting up when I was like, I don't know how old I was when I came out. I have to look, but I was young. And uh, I remember getting up on a Saturday morning to watch it. Like I never got up on a Saturday morning to watch cartoons. <laughs> I know that's like a that's like a stereotype of kids, right? Yeah. From a certain era. I never did that. I, I did for this. And it was like a it was a Nickelodeon TV movie. And it and it was the whole thing. And dude, I remember literally cr- like bawling my eyes out when I was a kid. And oh, in my hotel this last weekend, I cried a little bit. So that's the connection, the emotional connection I have to the show, dude. It literally like there's some things from this show like that will stick with you. Like you'll just think about it. You'll be like, man, this is such a like a fucking good show. I'm sorry, pardon my language, but dude, no, I'm gonna <gasps> watch it. It's a good show. It's almost as good as an event that's coming up. <laughs> see that transition dude oh, i'm telling you we got a knack for this danny o'donnell Which event? um well here let's talk a little bit about this event coming up jordan underscore jitsu on instagram uh god what is his actual name i wonder <laughs> jordan peitzman mr jordan <laughs> mr jordan peitzman from iowa is uh gonna be hosting jujitsu woodstock uh three days of peace and jujitsu and that sounds like they could just the name of it, like jujitsu and rock and roll, a big festival. Sounds awesome. It's going to be awesome. dude. I cannot <laughs> wait. And he told me, he's like, I have this idea. He told me, I think before he, uh, before he posted it, he told, uh, everybody, you know, a verbal tap cast and, and all of us like, I'm thinking about throwing a jujitsu Woodstock, like a three day festival event. We can have like some music and, and I'm going to bring my guitar, dude. Um, and, and I want seminars and I want super fights and I want some media production. I want to be able to promote people that go and it's like a sub spectrum event. So people are already going to want to go. I'm like, okay, that sounds awesome. And then he is doing it. Like we're in the process and he has smooth comp open. He has everything. And, uh, and there is the, I'm not going to announce it yet until next week's episode, but, uh, open or can I say it? Can I say it, Danny? I think you should say it. That's okay. Good. Open Guard Cast is going. Yes. <laughs> We're going to Iowa, baby. We're going to Iowa August 22nd, right? Is that what it 21st is? 21st to the 23rd. August 21st to 23rd, Open Guard Cast is going to Jiu-Jitsu Woodstock. Can you believe so it? Jake, Can you believe Jake how far we've me, come? Jake told me about this event, and I immediately Googled it. I was like, all right, Jiu-Jitsu Woodstock, I need to go to this. So I <laughs> looked it up and uh, <laughs> saw some of the details about it. Like, There's going to be a super fight event Saturday night. Wayans are going to be Friday night. Like you said, there's going to be like a bunch of live music and almost like a festival atmosphere, but centered around jujitsu. Mm-hmm. There's a sub spectrum tournament Saturday morning and then a super fight event Saturday night. And uh, yeah, it'd be really cool to see like one of my good friends compete on the on the super fight event. I don't think it'll happen, but who knows? Hey, you never know. And who's he? Uh, you never know. I might just get a fight on the on the super fight event against one of your friends anyway. So we'll we'll announce that next week um, when it's official. Jordan it's agreed to official. come on our podcast as well. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. Awesome. He said he was we definitely want to it. talk to him about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he's really funny, dude. He, uh, he posts a lot of videos of him beating up chairs. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I didn't really know who he was. And then I looked him up, I uh, looked up his Instagram based on some stuff that you were posting or whatever. And, uh, then I realized that he was the guy who was doing jujitsu with chair, with chairs during the quarantine. And he actually made it look really good. So and he's he talking about doing a chair jitsu, uh, seminar at the, at the event. So we'll see if we get that. All right. Well, yeah, that would be hilarious, and I guarantee people would probably go to that. <laughs> yeah. um, and that, and that's, it's just so cool because I'm re- what I'm really excited for is, um, you know, 
I'll be able to take a little bit of a break after third coast, right? I'm probably not going to compete again until Jiu-Jitsu Woodstock because I want to be yeah. able to gain some weight with Natalia Chantry. I want to be able to – dude, she's having me take creatine right now. Like like good creatine, not creatine that's going to get me popped by USADA. Um, good creatine like with carbs. So I am full, like full, full. <laughs> um, but what's going to be really cool is I'm going to get a chance to gain some weight – Really focus on my health. Really focus on lifting weights. Like, dude, after this podcast, it's bedtime, baby. We're going to bed, and I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and I'm gonna go lift. Um, and I'm just gonna really try to focus on on my health right now because I feel like uh, that's a disadvantage that I still have is just kind of the strength and conditioning department. I'm going to be actively using electron performance to, uh, you know, just try to elevate that area of my game. I feel like if I want to fight people like Gustavo Batista, I'm gonna need to have my strength up to be able to withstand. I feel like my technique is probably good enough to do well against him, but in in the event that I'm tired, like Gabriel Argus was in, in the uh, in the fight, I would much rather be prepared for that. So for sure. that's going to be the next area of my game I want to improve on. And then when I do fight this unnamed fighter at the moment, I feel like um, I'll be able to showcase a little bit of what I've been working on. So I'm really, really excited for this event. I'm, I am... When Danny messaged me, hey... So I may or may not have bought tickets. I was like, "You motherfucker!" So the flight, the flight from round trip Phoenix to Des Moines, Iowa. Guess how much? Ninety-seven dollars. No, twice that. But still, that's ridiculously cheap. Because like that, I mean, I normally when I when I fly to Chicago, it's about four hundred round trip, and it's you, and that's like a good price. Like if I get under four hundred, I'm happy. I've paid over five hundred before without batting an eye. So like 195 bucks for round trip to Iowa to the Midwest. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't pass it up. I just had to book it right away. That is so awesome. <laughs> I am really happy. Um, have you been yeah, to Iowa? So I have been to Iowa. When I competed Muay Thai, um, when I was I think 15 to 16 years old, I competed in the TBASA Muay Thai National Championship two years in a row, and I won two years in a row. Oh, and I wow. competed. That's I awesome. competed. It was cool, man. It was. I thought I was going to be an MMA fighter for a while, um, but then I didn't want to anymore when I turned like 17. <laughs> so I uh, I competed twice uh, in in there's in the I think it's Des Moines, right? In the yeah. Des Moines airport, there's a hotel right next to the airport, and that's where we fought. And dude, if we if we're at this hotel, it's a sick hotel. Oh, it's dude, really you're just going to cool. channel gonna that Muay Thai energy. Yeah. Dude, it's going to make me nostalgic <laughs> is what it's going to do. And I honestly could, I could see um, – I could see that happening because it's a very big hotel and it, it's got um, deals and stuff like that. So like event organizers can make deals for the hotel. So he's probably going to put a lot of people in that hotel. Mm-hmm. He did Dang. post the, the name of the venue where the super fights are going to be. And I think they've done these type of super fights before, and it looked like it was almost like a theater with like theater seating and um, oh, like cool. a big stage. It looked really cool. I, I kind of did some some research just because I was super interested in it. I'm but. gonna bring my guitar. I wasn't lying about that. I want to be <laughs> part of whatever, whatever. If I can give out, dude, think about this. I give a performance, right? A karaoke performance. I do a super fight. I commentate. I referee the tournament, and I give a seminar in the same weekend. Oh my God! Tell me I won't. That's the <laughs> I ultimate, won't that's the ultimate jujitsu weekend. That's the ultimate jujitsu weekend, and then I can just go home. And then there'll be die. a BJJ Heroes article about you, the first person to ever do that. You know, I'm sick. That would be like, and he gave a karaoke performance. This guy's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what did he sing? 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I would sing. Um, piano Man by Billy Joel. On the guitar? No, on the piano. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my piano. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, there's actually another event coming up: Submission Underground. That's gonna be a big one too. It's the same night, or the night before, rather. Um, Third Coast Grappling coming up in a week. It's uh, Submission Underground. It's a is fr- featuring... Friday night, right? The 19th. Yes. There's man, I want to look up this uh, card real quick because it is going to be insane. Two people pulled out, so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this bracket plays out now that these two people pulled out. I believe it was uh, – gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Kyle Bain. Kyle Bain pulled out and one more, but I forget who it was. Uh, I know – Kyle Bain likely has an injury from his match with Gordon. I know oh, when they uh, posted uh, some of the pictures of the submission, it looked like his elbow was maybe dislocated, maybe broken. It was kind of hard to tell, but didn't look like it was structurally – correct yeah i hope he uh, i hope he heals up pretty soon yeah i know uh brooks is in there too so the event is cody Steele, roberto jimenez nathan orchard hunter colvin uh andy varela varela uh adam bradley garth brooks i'm just kidding last <laughs> name is brooks uh and mason fowler are going to be fighting for $10,000 on June 21st at Submission Underground 15. Uh, I have been doing some open guard cast uh, hype-up work. Boss Lady MMA, Heather uh, Stranding, is the matchmaker for Submission Underground. And she said, who do you want to see in the first round as an opener? And I said, if you don't have Adam Bradley versus Hunter Colvin, first round, that would be a crime. And she liked it, and a bunch of people liked it. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, hmm, that would be pretty good. That would be insane. Hunter Colvin fought insane. a few weekends ago on Fight to Win. Super impressive. And he looked absolutely impressive. Oh, my God. Great. He was incredible. And Adam Bradley and him have a little bit of uh, heated chemistry right now. <laughs> they, uh, Adam, I think Hunter said something uh, before he was actually confirmed as a shoe in for the event, because he came in off the back end of someone else pulling out. Uh, he said, man, <clears throat> I submitted steel Bame, and Bradley, and I couldn't get into your event. Hunter What's Colvin this? submitted steel Bame, and Bradley. Uh, that's what he said. Yes. Wow. And, uh, did not know that. And I didn't know that either. Well, at some point, I don't know if it was, it was lately, but he did say that. And, uh, Adam Bradley said something about, like, I would gladly have you in the tournament. or, or Yeah, something I think he said, that. I've been wanting that rematch or something along those lines. And then somebody pulled out, and I was like, oh, how the winds of fate are pulling <laughs> us together. And then it's and then now they're together. I was like, okay, Heather, now you have to put that. Because if you – okay, let's say this. You put that as the last round of the opener. Let's say it's Steel Jimenez, uh, Orchard Varela, and Brooks Fowler. And then you have Colvin Bradley as the last round of the first round. You're going to get maximum viewership for the first round of competition because people have already invested their time into it. Sometimes you miss the first fight because, you know, oh, the event's starting. I'm still doing something. You know what I mean? Um, But I think that that's what people are going to watch. I think that um, there's a good opportunity for a lot of hype to build up around it. And I think if you make that fight first, you're opening the door for, let's say, okay, I think the big favorites to win this are Cody Steele, uh, Roberto Jimenez, and 
maybe Mason Fowler, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, he's, he's a dark horse for sure. He's a dark horse, but I don't think he should be because he definitely made it to the 88-kilogram ADCC through the West mm-hmm. Coast trial. Um, none of the other athletes uh, did that. Not a single one actually won the West Coast trial of ADCC in that year. The only so reason I say Dark Horse is just because of his name recognition. Yes. And I feel like people recognize the other names. Yeah, 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 that too. Cody Steele hot off of a win at Jits King, looking really good. Throwing up after the fight, whatever. But he Also beat Alec Balding at who's number one, looked awesome. And looked awesome at who's number one as well. Um, so now it's it's just, I think that the big the big money fight is going to be Colvin versus Bradley, just because of the little bit of hype that's around it based off of that little that little confrontation they had. This is the kind uh, of hype you see in a Latin restaurant in Florida right before a fight breaks out. You know, dude, <laughs> no, to be honest, I just wanted a, I wanted a chicha morada, and I didn't get it for an extra 20 minutes because of those people. <laughs> it took an extra 20 minutes for me to get my chicha morada. Have you ever had that? No. Chicha morada is good, dude. If you ever go to a Peruvian restaurant, you ask for chicha morada because it is Peruvian. good. I don't even know what it is. like purple corn. It's like a purple corn drink, and it doesn't taste like corn. It tastes like delicious like cinnamon and... And like a almost like berry esque. Were you telling me about this drink before? Yeah, I went to a place called Tiki yeah. in Arizona. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, it's good. It's real good. Chicha morada. Chicha morada. Well, I went <laughs> with my Peruvian friends, so <laughs> shout out to Miguel Linares Marsulu. Man, it was a uh, it was a crazy last couple weeks. I'm really excited to be back home. I'm uh I'm definitely gonna be doing an electric performance workout tomorrow to shake off this unhealthy food. Yeah, so I, I did one today. Perfect. I started a new uh, one of their programs. Mm-hmm. It was oh man, it was super tough. It was uh, the Jujitero home workout one. Have you seen okay. that? They just posted it. Incorporates uh, no, like a lot I, I of, saw that. I, I got the email. Okay. Yeah, there's like a lot of isometric strength exercises and like cardio stuff. It, it was like one of the few workouts I've done that actually made me feel like I just got done doing jujitsu. Really? Yeah. So it was pretty cool. I don't oh. know if it's. I mean, since you're trying to put on mass and stuff like that, it might be better for you to do one of their other programs just so you can do like heavy barbell lifts and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, it was, I, I loved it. I spoke to, uh, Alex, um, Alex Sterner about what I was planning on doing. And he said, that's a great idea. I'm just going to do a uh, starting tomorrow. I'm going to treat tomorrow as week one. Obviously we're in the third week of the month, <clears throat> but I'm going to treat tomorrow as it's, as it's week one. I'm going to keep up to it in my notebook. Um, and I'm just going to go EP one, EP two, EP three, and I'm just going to go down the list, and then I'm going to do it again once I finish. And, you know, if I go to EP7, that will be seven months of strength conditioning. So it's going to pay off. Um, sure. And that's going to just be my plan. I think that if I do that, I'm going to be able to um, put on a lot of mass. And I have a lot of time because August 22nd is uh, two months away. I will give myself two whole months of no tournaments um, to just really try to, f- really try to hone in, uh, uh, building good habits and, and putting myself in the, in the winning training mindset, because, uh, right now I've just been kind of competing, man. And, um, it's not healthy to do that. Even when it's the only thing you can do, it's not healthy to do that. I want to give myself the best opportunity to be everything I can be. And I advise uh, a lot of athletes to do the same. Yeah, that's it's so funny that you're saying that because that was a question that I wrote down before we started the podcast. Um, 
I remember before the Who's Number One event a few weeks ago, the Flow Grappling guys interviewed Nicky Ryan, and they were talking about why he hasn't competed for a while and what his plans were, and he mentioned that he is planning from this point on to compete a lot, but he said that he wasn't competing as actively for a long time because he felt like he wanted to have a period of time where he could just build his skill level, and he didn't want to have to focus on traveling and competing and like basically putting a pause in his training schedule. He felt like that pause was kind of taking away from his progress was basically the gist of his interview so i mean obviously you competed the last three weekends they were huge or the last two weekends about to be three they were huge opportunities and you know it was amazing that you took those fights and all that but do you feel that having a break having two months where you can just focus on getting better every single day getting in a very strict and rigid routine do you feel like that's better for progress than trying to just compete every weekend or every other weekend I think it depends on what you're looking for. I think you just answered it. Uh, you kind of took my answer by just explaining what you explained. What I wanted was to come out of quarantine with a little bit of information, right? Obviously, I wanted I, I wanted to be able to win $25,000 winning this 10K, <laughs> yeah. the last 10K and the $5,000, but that didn't happen. Um, I learned some valuable truths about what happens to me when I lose focus. Uh, I learned some uh, meaning... When I fought Gabriel Argus, uh, I literally got my back taken because I lost focus in the 50-50 and I lost a grip. And he was much quicker on the ball. He actually gave me room to escape, uh, and I wasn't quick enough. Um, and then when I fought uh, Combs, uh, that was more or less just, you know, that's his best technique, man. Uh, he does a really good job getting a guillotine from over the top. Yeah. And I, I guess I could have... Uh, been a little more safe i mean if i fought him again i would mo i would more than likely uh opt to not butt scoot and more to just lay on my back and let him come to me uh so i, I realized that hey if i'm fighting somebody who's a really good guillotine keep my head away just don't do it like i'm really tall I'm, I'm i'm lanky it's not beneficial for me to put my head in that area and uh going into this fight next week i'm just gonna do my best to study and uh and take take a lot of time to just mentally prepare for what's probably going to happen in the fight is just you know i'm not supposed to win Felipe andrew's probably going to uh, approach the fight in that manner and i am i'm understanding of the situation i'm in i think that uh right now to answer your question and i wanted to explain that because to, an to, to answer your question um my training is pretty uh well it's limited in the sense that most of my training comes from studying and drilling and I compete, I train with the same people all the time. I don't really get a lot of opportunities to go to other gyms. Um, in the next two months, will I go to other gyms? Um, maybe I'm not sure. I'll have to talk to my professor about it and see if that's a possibility, but I'm not going to bank on it. So I think that whenever I want to take a break, it's going to be mostly to improve my physical attributes and just get into a more rigid training program like you're talking about. But I don't usually go to other gyms, and I, I don't usually get a gigantic variance in training partners. So most of it is when I do the break, I just try to study. I try to uh, lift heavy, uh, adhere to a diet, and you know get stuff in my own personal life taken care of uh, because you know that's obviously stuff that's always happening to everybody. But for me, it's some stuff is kind of new right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I kind of went yeah, off a little does. bit of a tangent. Okay. No, 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 that answers perfectly. And the thing that I thought was interesting is how um, you talked about basically like the tournaments were more of like 
almost like data gathering. You're trying to understand yourself better and the competition better, guys that you're going to face more in the future. And, you know, out of quarantine, it was kind of hard to, I'm sure it was extremely hard to like pass up on that because, you know, there are huge opportunities. You could win a bunch of money. You could absolutely have all the ability to win the tournaments too. So it was, it was interesting just how you explained that it was like, that was what you used to kind of as a tool to learn about yourself. And that'll kind of inform your training going into the August potential super fight. Yeah. The probably confirmed, but not signed <laughs> yet. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's exactly what, because, you know, I, uh, I, like I said, I was, I was pretty disappointed in myself. I set a standard and I rise to meet it, but, um, I think I more or less set an expectation for myself these last two weeks, which I think is a dangerous road that a competitor can go down because when you set an expectation, um, if that expectation doesn't come to fruition, you're often left disappointed. But if you set a standard, you can always rise to meet the standard and more or less, um, meeting that standard is going to usually yield you a result that you will at least learn from. So, I should have set more of a standard and I probably would have actually even done better. I probably would have given myself a better mental opportunity to do better. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of be done with these last three weeks. I know Pedro, this is his fourth week in a row competing or something. Um, Pedro Mario, but I'm not Pedro. <laughs> I am, I am, I am a, a skinny man who wants to be thick. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought you fought great both, both matches obviously like you said they were super tough opponents who um like combs that's his number one move and it's I, i'm really happy that you like are looking at it as a learning experience and i'm 100 confident that you're going to grow from it because i feel like you grow from every match regardless i don't know if you reflect on them as much as you did for these past two but either way i feel like it's just going to be a huge huge thing for your career taking all yeah. these matches i believe so too and I remember, uh, you know, I, I always look back at the advice Lyra gave me, the advice Heapmar gave me. Um, I mean, I always think, like, there's always a little adjustment can go a long way. You know, I think about when I lost to Michael Lyra, it was a complete and utter destruction. And I'm okay saying that because that was what it was. And then I go and I fight Heapmar a, a week or two later, and I almost beat Heba. So it's, it's just about making adjustments, man. Um, I don't think that I'm... Uh, any, I don't think I'm not good enough to win a world championship right now. I think that it's just there needs to be a lot of things that happens before I reach that point in my destiny to do it. And I haven't reached those bullet points yet where I need to grow a little more. I need to become more mature in my game. I need to be more, become more mature as a person um, to understand why I'm doing the things I'm doing. And you know, I need to, I need to be a little hungrier. And there's a lot of stuff. The list goes on and on. But these are not exclusive problems. And that's something that I think every athlete can learn from. Is, you know, you're not alone thinking that. You know, like when doubt creeps in, or when you lose and you feel like, oh man, am I really good for this? Am I really good enough to do this? Of course you are. You just have to keep pushing. And uh, thinking that that's an exclusive problem to you, or thinking that like you're alone in that problem. Uh, is not good. If the the moment I was on the flight home and I thought about man, there was people who lost in the first round that were good enough to win the whole thing. Um, made me feel better because it was like, hey, like okay, I'm one of those people. Like I was one of those people who could have done really really well. Some people picked me to win, and I was really happy about that. I was like, holy crap, that's awesome. Turns out I was a really good commentator. I just want to say that again. <laughs> I was a good commentator. <laughs> Some would say the best. No. Maybe the best, uh, maybe second best. I like Ricardo. I do like Ricardo. Actually, third best. I do like John Evans. 
I like Sean Williams too, but I I think you're on Crap, par. With whatever, him top five. We'll say top five. Yeah, also you're on par with uh, him. Who is? Let's see. Let's see. John Evans, Sean Williams, Ricardo. There's one more really really. Kenny good Florian one. does it for the worlds. He's good. Kenny Florian does do it for the worlds. All right, top six. Because there's one more, but I forget who. You're a rookie. Uh, I know, dude. I'm like Tony Romo. I'm the Tony <laughs> Romo of jujitsu commentary. <laughs> Everybody's like, dang, he was he was an okay quarterback, but he's a good commentator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but to, to be completely serious, I feel like you you know those guys like really well. You know them personally. You know their strengths. You know their weaknesses. So that brings a different element to it. Like I feel like every commentator does something a little bit different than the other. So yeah, there's some that are better than others, but um, yeah, that's that's what I liked about listening to you is you you knew Pedro Mourinho, you knew William Tackett, you knew Roberto Jimenez, you know intimate details about their game. So it was just cool to bring that perspective into the commentary booth. Yeah, I, I just really I want to be a be a bath of fresh air, and if we do get the opportunity to do some commentary work in the future, um, Danny, I I think that we are gonna, and this is just me speaking it out there because I, I do believe that um, you know, you and I are people who actively study, man, and it's you've inspired me to like look at everybody's game and and understand their game and be able to articulate it well because this po- and this podcast helped dude i really feel like it was just a podcast episode that i was watching live um and so i made it very very simple uh commentary is not as scary as i thought it was going to be it was if i had notes in front of me i would have done a way better job so when i do when we do get our opportunity to commentate a fight to win match or whatever um dude bring bring notes and we're gonna kill oh, it yeah. because it's it's gonna be really really good for the sport like people who I got followers off of that because they're like, who is this kid commentating? And then they would see me, follow me. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, you see that? <laughs> people like it. Open guard cast, follow us. And then Jits King promoted open guard cast a little bit. Jordan Jitsu yeah, did. That was awesome. So we're on the come up, baby. We're on the come up. I have a I have a um, you know, I know you and I have big plans. We can't you know what's so funny is like I feel like every episode we have something new that we're gonna try. We have something new that we're working on. Yep. <laughs> That's where we're gonna be the best. That's why we're going to be the yeah, best. Yeah, I feel like it's a, obviously a huge goal of ours to commentate and stuff, but from the outside looking in, it might sound like a bit selfish. Like, we just want to be on the mic talking, but honestly, I feel like the reason I want to do it and the reason I know you want to do it is because we want to help people better understand the athletes and yes. give them more credit, like give them credit where credit's due, really understand their story, their game, stuff like that, so people can kind of understand like everything that goes into preparation and you know, it's not just like someone calling the action that they see right in front of them. It's like there's this whole story behind every single competitor, and they all deserve a lot of credit. So we just want everyone to know how awesome everyone is who competes. Yeah, and I, I that was the meaning behind my post on the you know, Open Guard Cast story today. Yeah, I want to give awesome. like we want to give jujitsu what it deserves, media wise. Right? There are more athletes than just those doing the utmost work there are athletes doing incredible things on the middle of the card there are athletes mm-hmm. doing incredible things at the bottom of the card athletes yeah. who have an incredible backstory who you've never even heard of we want those athletes to be known so like if we were to do commentary like as soon as we find out we do commentary we're going and we're we are going to like lightly interview these athletes months in advance watch their fights take notes take their notebooks with us because it's not a game like commentary is not a place where you can go and just like it's not about you commentary is not about you the way that you're going to become popular as a commentator 
is by making it about them. Keep in mind, every fighter watches their fight. They want to be able to listen to their fight and be like, man, like, I feel like people are going to really know me based off this fight. And that's in their head. And if we can do a good job painting the picture for the audience as a commentator, man, what wonders that's going to do for the athlete competing? What if we can get somebody who's never even watched jiu-jitsu interested in jiu-jitsu just based off of what we're saying? That's somebody in the that's somebody who just did jiu-jitsu. That's somebody who just got involved in our lifestyle. So that's that's I, I really really believe that um, if we keep on you know doing our work for the betterment of other people, it's not about us. But it does benefit us, right? We do want to. We want the podcast to grow, but we want it to grow for the right reasons. We want Jiu-Jitsu yeah. to have, and the people in Jiu-Jitsu to have the media they deserve. The media they deserve—that is a key word. And yeah, do we love doing it? Of course. Do we have a lot of fun with this podcast? Of course. Do we love growing it? Do we like seeing people following us? There's nothing wrong with that. But we always keep in mind that we're doing it for the right reason. We're never straying and. We're not gonna. That's a cool thing about working with Danny, who is, uh, you know, a very genuine, kind person. Is I know he's not gonna try to sell out. You know what I mean? Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna give in to the man or something like that. We're get offered a bunch of money and lose what makes us us. Open Garcast is here to stay. You know what I mean? Dang. I, yeah. 100%. I should run for president, dude. Damn. We should play that clip before every episode. With music in the background. <laughs> yeah. Damn. People are just you gonna get really inspired. Every. Every episode is Jujitsu Woodstock. Every <laughs> every episode, dude. I can't wait, dude. What did they put the banner? Oh, whatever. I'm not you gonna know what? It. I I, I kind of wanna I wanna put on my matchmaking hat and send Jordan some match recommendations. Do it, dude. Hey, let's have oh, him dude. on and do that, dude. Really? You ma- okay. You know what's gonna know that we made it is when our logo is on a mat at a tournament. Oh my god. That's when we know we made it. <laughs> That's... If it's on the mat at Woodstock, dude, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> and then I submit my name to on, be named opponent on, on the logo. The logo. Oh, I would, I would never. I would post that every day. It'd get old. <laughs> I would make a new account. Just Jake submitting someone on the OGC logo, and that's the at. We should put it one logo on every square of mat, so that there's a very high probability you submit your opponent on the logo. We just have the mat <laughs> is the logo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big circle. <laughs> Damn. That's funny, dude. Well, uh, what else did you want to go over? Did you want to go over everything else? Or are you? Uh... That's pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. Um, it's been going for an hour ten, so pretty much our an normal normal length. Pretty much a normal podcast, man. I had a yeah. lot of uh, I have a lot of fun doing this. I I'm really uh, really dedicated. Like I feel really motivated to grow this right now after seeing all the love i got for it um down in uh i love everybody loved it dude everybody loved it they're like dude your podcast is awesome Uh, i'm like yes thank you danny and i worked so hard on it thank you (laughs) um and uh we want to have uh david garmo i want to have on he's a yeah he's man so he's from uh he's from he's originally he's from detroit Uh he's from the midwest because i remember watching him coming up and uh i remember watching him he fought uh, Gracie Baja guy from Texas who was like doing really good at the time. Ignacio Neto, do you know that name? I've heard the name. He's he's a Gracie Baja guy. He's a black belt now. I think he was a brown belt at the time, but he was killing it. And David Garmo was so much smaller than him, and they competed in the Open at Chicago Open. And David Garmo submitted him, and I was just like, oh my god, who is this guy? And yeah, I just used to see him compete around the Midwest a little bit, but mm-hmm. he's he's really good. I like his style a lot. Super good guillotines this. too. Let me ask you this: 
Did you know he submitted Devontae Johnson? I did not. Did but I know, know he he's beaten some some good guys. Did I tell you that uh, Flow Grappling did not know that I submitted Hudson Mateos? Yes. <laughs> and that's why we do what we do with the Open Guard cast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if you listen to our podcast, you will know everything. <laughs> that's my guarantee. That's my money back guarantee. Because yeah. listen, dude, David Garmo submitted Devontae and nothing. No media, right? Um, and then he, I was talking to him and I was like, dude, I remember you submitted Devante. He's like, how'd you know that? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I watched, her, I watched the, your video on your story. He's like, or on your, uh, your page. He's like, oh yeah, I had to find that. <laughs> I was like, cause, uh, that was like my friend taking the video for me. Cause I, no one said anything about it. And I got to talk to him. I got to talk to JB. I forget his name. He was in the Jits King tournament as well, but he's awesome. I, I feel bad for getting his last name, forgetting his last name, because me and him had a lengthy conversation. He's a fantastic human being. I think it's like Betchkoff or something like that. Bletch. You know, you know who else I want to get on? I, I don't. I'm not sure. I know the JB guy, but JJ Wilson fights in Bellator. He's undefeated. He was in Jits King. Awesome. He knows he, the the name my namesake. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, my, my, I'm named after a, a New Zealand cult film, actually. Oh, so he okay. He knows about that. It's a horrible, horrible movie. It's called Once Were Warriors. It's about a man who beats his <laughs> wife and then his wife leaves him. And yeah. the guy who beat his wife's name was Jake. But I asked him about it. He was like, "Oh my God, you're named after Jake Demas, huh?" I was like, "Yep." He's like, "That's incredible." Oh my God. He's a cool guy, and he grapples very, oh, dude. very well. We want to have him I, on too. One thing I did when uh, when I was looking at the bracket is I went and watched his MMA fights because I think he's had three fights in Bellator, mm-hmm. and he's undefeated. He's five and zero professionally. Dude, he he his fighting style in MMA is so fun to watch. Really? He's just crisp striker, takes guys down and submits them. Got an arm bar, two rear naked chokes in Bellator. Um, he might have had one other fight, but they didn't have a video for it on their website. And he's like 20 but he was, amateur fights too. Oh, yeah. Dude, he's a beast. He was so fun to watch fight. So, yeah, I'd love to get him on. I got to talk to every one of the Tackets. They said they want to come on. Cody Steele wants to come on. Uh, Adam Bradley wants to come on. Hunter Colvin wants to come on. We got some guests, man. We got some guests. I, I kind of want to see if we can get Hunter and Adam on um, before uh, before Sug. So if we can get – That would have to be I, this week. Can, that would have to be this week, and I, I can see if I can get some time. Uh, okay. I believe I can get some time to do it. But I know. I have I'm down. On. Yeah, we can schedule that because, dude, people are wanting to come on, dude. This is the thing. You go out there. You get choked by John Combs. People want to come on your podcast. Let's go. <laughs> That's the no. advice I paid. I paid. Hey, I got choked <laughs> for six episodes. Let's go. I Can I go get choked? Will the only one care about that? Probably not. <laughs> yes, they will. They'd be like, oh my god, that's the guy with the podcast. <laughs> like, that's the brains behind the open guard. I'm just the pretty face. You're the brain. <laughs> You're the Lord Palpatine, and I am Darth Vader. <laughs> I am the guy out there. They're both slaughtering smart. innocents. Don't sell yourself short. I just said slaughtering innocents. <laughs> yeah, you didn't hear that. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Danny has anything else to add. I'm gonna start shouting people out. Um, Shoutouts, as always, to Break New Ground. So supportive, even in the midst of uh, you know the highs and lows of my career. Break New Ground is always sending awesome support, and they're so great. Uh, Luis Cantos. Uh, Shoutouts to High Tier Photography, Agro Brand, Chill Fit Cryo. Agro Brand makes our logo, by the way. It is a sick logo. It is easy to recognize. It's red. Shoot, it can be yellow and green. It can be blue and yellow. What do you guys want? <laughs> We can make one pink for October. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Tournaments in October. I'm wearing a pink Open Guard cast logo. Um, also, pink patch shout on outs, your gi. Pink patch on my gi. I will wear it. Shoutouts to um, 
all the guys down at Jits King Promotions, Third Coast Grappling, Fight to Win BJJ, and Submission Underground. Uh, there's probably other events coming up. Um, BJJ Woodstock. BJJ, uh, yeah, Subspectrum, BJJ Woodstock. Uh, and also Sapatero Invitational. Uh, Josh Starlord LeDuc runs that one. Uh, every every one of the jiu-jitsu organizations that are keeping jiu-jitsu alive in the midst of a pandemic right now, you guys are amazing. We love you. Um, Shout-outs to Election Performance once again. You guys can use a discount code uh, OpenGuardCast25. <laughs> And you can get 25% off of your workout so you can get thick. Like little Tackett. Like little Tackett. Dude, that kid is thick, man. <laughs> and, and when I lost, he said, he said, if you lose, you have to drink this vial of syrup. So he had a little <laughs> vial of Cracker Barrel syrup. syrup. And I was like, you're on. And I shook his hand. And then I, after I'm, I'm like hanging out with John Combs, I come back to the hotel. He's in the lobby with the syrup. Oh, my God. And I feel I'm being disrespectful. I called him little Tackett. What's his first name? Baby. His name's baby. baby Tackett. <laughs> his name's Caleb. Sorry, little. I meant to call you baby. <laughs> his name's Caleb Tackett. Caleb. Baby Tackett. I'm sorry, Caleb. It's okay. He he's not. This is his first time on the big show. No, it's not. He actually, I think he's competed before for Jits King. But yeah, so I chugged the I chugged the syrup, <laughs> and I and it was disgusting. I've never chugged maple syrup before. It's really oh, awful. Yeah, oh, so. it was it was so sweet. It hurt my head. It actually gave me a headache. <laughs> um and shout out to Natalia Chantre on my end. Um we are gonna be working to turn me into a animal. So anybody uh, oh and Marakava BJJ. Obviously I love my academy. I'm so glad that they keep on sending me amazing messages and you know, being being the uh flagship competitor for my academy is a, a great honor. So Danny, is there anybody you want to shut up? Uh for me just Marcio Andre, Marcio Andre Jiu Jitsu and just wanna congratulate you on the past couple weekends. And even though you haven't fought this third one yet, congratulate you on accepting that fight because that's a huge challenge. You know, going yeah. from the under 180 bracket to the over 180 bracket with just tons of monsters. Like, I think it's so cool what you're doing and um, just setting an example for everyone, not just at your academy, but anyone who wants to be a professional in jiu-jitsu. Like, this is how you do it. You step up, you take challenges, and you just try and learn and grow from them. And that's why you're the pro. Sometimes you get sometimes you get burned. And it's it's reality, but I really appreciate that, and uh, that's what I really want to do at the end of the day is set is set the charge and set the example for what how people should behave, and um, if you want to be the best, you have to put yourself out there. And looking back two years from now, I'm not going to remember when I lost to Gabriel Argus. I'm only going to remember when I did the last thing I did. And you win the world. Back when I win worlds, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, all that happened for a reason, you know. So yep. there's highs and lows. Don't get too high with the highs. Don't get too lows with the low. Don't get too low with the lows. Don't be flow rider. Don't drink maple syrup. Rider. Don't oh, lose. two out of ten trip. This trip is <laughs> two out of ten for sure. Three out of ten. Three out of ten. We we went over that uh, earlier. I forgot about an hour ago. Two point five. Uh, two point five. Oh yeah, I did say two point five, didn't I? <laughs> well, this is this is a ten out of ten podcast, and this has been yeah, a this fun. ten out of ten episode. So uh, next we will have most likely a guest. So expect that. Yeah, we just went over uh, Jits King, Submission Underground, Third Coast Grappling, and Avatar The Last Airbender. Thank you so much for listening, Woodstock ladies and gentlemen. Woodstock BJJ as well. And Woodstock BJJ with an I'm unconfirmed so opponent at an unconfirmed date at an unconfirmed location. In Des Moines, And Iowa. we are confirmed going. So <laughs> let's go. I'm Dude, I'm stoked for that. It's going to be oh so my God. sick. We literally, it's... like, Open Guard is just going to hang out in Iowa. Yes. It's I can't so wait. Awesome. I am so pumped. Man, if we could commentate that event. If we commentate that event, that's going to be the most there. legendary I'll event. I'll die in Iowa. Too. If we literally – dude, if we commentate that event, understand 
that that is going to be like really good for us. Anyway, Danny, I, before I get too excited and I like freaking, I don't know, cry on, on camera, <laughs> why don't you take us out of here? Thanks everyone for listening. That was episode 26. Definitely make sure to watch Jake again this weekend, June 20th, third coast grappling. It's the 180 pound and over bracket first match, Philippe Andrew, and probably a couple more matches. So Jake, Congrats again on everything, and we can't wait to watch you this weekend. Thanks, everyone, for listening.